Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Um, on your outline, there's something that needs to be uh, repaired. If you'll look at it real quick, because uh, then we can go right on through it. Under number four, the benefits, where it goes out on G, where it says national security, that should be Deuteronomy 7 instead of Deuteronomy 9. The, the sermon that I've prepared, I actually prepared it before I went to Africa and handed it in to Paul to print up, is all about something that people don't like to talk about. There are two things that people just don't like to talk about. I don't know why. One is they don't like to talk about their money. And two, they don't like to talk about family worship. And, uh, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about is the latter of the two. Uh, my sermon is not really a sermon. It's more of a lesson and a, uh, almost a lecture. And the... And the objective is to convince you to cooperate with us in doing something right now that no one else in the United States is doing as a church. We think that in time, because I've talked to various printing organizations and, and to a couple of denominational leaders about the problem we know what the problem is, that we're losing 7 out of 10 of our youngsters when they start to go to college. They walk away from the faith. We think that we've stumbled on to the way to, to reverse that. And I'll tell you ahead of time, I don't think it's going to be easy. In fact, you men who are here will have a natural resistance to what I'm going to propose uh, but we intend to help you with that over a period of time. You see, from the very outset, the gathering of Christians was never for the purpose of being the primary educators of the children. From both the Old and the New Testament at the very outset, it was the family's responsibility in about 1785, something happened in the church that really looked like a good thing, and I think probably was. It was when Sunday school started in England, and then it gathered all over the face of the earth. And when that started, the sad thing that happened was people quit educating their children at home and assumed that it could be taken care of by the Sunday school. It helped, but it wasn't nearly as good as homeschooling in the Bible. And so I'm, I'm going to take the position that we need to, at you need to at least hear me out on the possibility of us uniting together step by step by step in homeschooling our children in the Word of God and in spiritual things. Because from the outset, it has been daddy's responsibility to take the lead in that in the home anyway. 
the church gathering was never intended to do that, in, in spite of the fact that through the Bible, on numerous instances, the Scripture teaches that we do need to train up our children in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they'll not depart from it. That's in the 22nd chapter of the book of Proverbs. That's essentially what it says. It doesn't say take them to the church building, even though that's important, but at the church building, we can reinforce what you've done at home. But we'll never be able to replace what should be done at home. And he doesn't say just teach them, he says train them. <coughs> train a child in the way he should go and when he's old he'll not go from it so how do we how do we go about this i want to go back to what god told israel to do with their children on the assumption that that same principle was to be carried through even to yet today very few people do it if you want to follow along with me, you should go to the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. We'll read these first 12 verses in conjunction with the statement from the 22nd chapter of Proverbs about training up our children. Here's what it, here's, if you're ready, here's what it says, starting at verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me. Somebody get me a snort, would you? Uh, I, I need a little snort. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe when you're in the land after you cross the Jordan to possess it, so that you, your children, and their children, meaning your grandchildren, after them may fear the Lord your God as long as they live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you with the promise so that you may enjoy a long life. Now hear me, Israel, he says, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord the God of your fathers promised you. Now listen to me, Israel, or hear, O Israel. Thank you, Brother Ralph. You're a good man. I don't care what your wife says about you. Fifty-five. That's not bad for beginners. Hear, O Israel, this is verse 4. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Believe it or not, that's an old test that started there with Israel. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And I put in your outline what is meant by the scriptural heart. There are four elements to the scriptural heart. It's the intellect, the conscience, the emotions, and the will. Now listen to this carefully. Because this is directed toward the parents. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Today we would say and when we're driving in the car. 
because mostly then that was riding on a donkey or whatever. <clears throat> when you lie down and when you get up, in other words, he was saying, this conversation should be relevant all the time that you're with your children in order to impress it upon them so that when they're older, it'll just be a part of their life. If you see what I'm advocating is that your home become a little church. And that little church exists primarily for the purpose of bringing up your children and, and so that Christianity is a part of their everyday life, not just something that's emphasized and talked about on Sunday. And then he says, interesting, and the, and the Jewish people, the Orthodox Jewish folks still do this. You'll see it in Israel, often places of New York and other places where there are large settlements of Orthodox Jews. Tie them, and, and the them means the, the rules, the, the laws, the decrees, the concepts, the truth of the Bible. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames. If you've ever been to Israel, we're talking about going again one of these days. Anytime you go into a hotel or a house in Israel that is owned by Jewish folks, there's a little thing on the door that has the Ten Commandments on it. And it isn't unusual that when they enter, they just touch that on the way in, touch it on the way out. That's just common for them. So he says, write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you didn't build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then you will eat and be satisfied, but be careful. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And when do we forget the Lord? We have a tendency to forget the Lord in times of great prosperity. Now, I don't have the time to go into the whys, and I'm not even certain I know all of them, but, but I know from observation that when, we have to, when we're poor and have to rely on the Lord, we're conscious of his provision. And, and there's a tendency when we get successful to think that we did it. And we forget that he provides every good and every perfect gift that we have. If you didn't have good health and a lot of other things, you wouldn't have anything. Now, so what I'm advocating here today is, and, and I'm telling you for sure, there isn't another church in the United States that is taking the stand that we're taking here today. Actually, it's a reversion back of doing things the way they did it a long time ago. before there was any such thing as a Sunday school, and before the transition took place of allowing the 
an hour or two on Sunday to replace what needs to happen every day. I'm advocating religious homeschooling for everybody. Religious homeschooling for everybody. Here in the uh, here in the sixth chapter, verse seven, you remember he says, "Impress the word of God on your children, and make that conversation available." as just a daily part of your life, all the time. And I'm, I'm saying that in, according to what I've studied, you need to begin, and for some of us it's a tad late, but you need to begin when they're babies with your children. I mean, this kind of baby. Still nursing babies. Here's an interesting thing that I learned in research. Maybe some of you were way ahead of me, but this we know as a fact. Did you know that, that the more time you spend talking to your babies, and especially the mother who is better suited for that than anybody, but the more time you spend talking to your babies, even though they just may go to sleep on you or go goo, goo, goo or whatever they do when they're little guys like that. But here's what you're doing that you may not realize. You're increasing their learning capacity and expanding the base of their IQ. The babies that are, that, that mamas spend more, and see, we have to be careful here some, and I don't want you to go home with a lot of, uh, a lot of guilt because some of us, mother and daddy, mothers get maybe a few weeks off when they first have their babies and they go back to work and the, and the baby then is handed to grandma or to a babysitter or something or other. And, and, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but I am saying when you're with that baby, you spend time with that baby. If you're, if you're, if you're cooking at the table... Hang him on your hip and, and do some talking. That's okay. Because what you're really doing is you're helping to ensure the academic and, other, and, and emotional future of your child just by doing, spending that time talking and talking and talking with that baby. After all, I don't think you're ever going to have anything in life that's more precious. Oh, when they're teenagers, you wish you could give them away, but... But that doesn't last long. So begin when they're babies. And I would suggest to you that you learn to sing to your babies. Both husbands and wives, sing to them. I love to sing. I can't sing worth a lick, but you can't keep me from it. And I know while we were gone to Israel this time, we took a family with us, a very well-to-do family from out in California. And they wanted to take their three children with them, and they just couldn't take them as a group. And so we agreed to take them with us. A good Christian family with a 13 and a 12, a 14, 12, and 10-year-old, two smaller ones were boys. And everything that would come up, I'd say, yeah, there's a song about that. You want to hear me singing this? So they finally voted for me not to sing anymore. <laughs> but what I'm telling you is, is this. 
you should learn to sing with your children at home and then when they come to the church building with their family, they won't sit like this. They'll actually participate because they've learned that it isn't how well you can sing. It's the joy of the Lord in singing itself. And we've got to recover that and we've lost it to a large extent through no, no bad intention. It's just we have we too often are influenced by our culture instead of being an influence on our culture so what i'm ask what i'm telling you is this in order for we for us to make any headway in what i'm advocating here this morning is going to take a commitment on the part of dad in particular and parents specifically a conscious commitment. Now, that was required when this happened that I read to you. When the children of Israel were gathered at the foot of Mount, uh, of, of the Mount Sinai, or it was Mount Horeb, really, at the Sinai Peninsula, people were asked, now, who, where do you stand? Joshua, you're going to be succeeding Moses one of these days because when he gets on Mount Nebo, he's going to die and, and the angels are going to bury him so you won't go around worshiping his old dead carcass. And when you take over, you not only are to lead your people, but you are to lead them by example. So where do you stand and... If you look carefully at the 24th chapter, the 15th verse of Joshua, he says this, As for me and my house, we'll serve the living God. For me and my house, we'll serve the living God. You see what, he was, what they were going to be told was their responsibility when they get to Israel because they're going into a land that's already inhabited and instead of chasing everybody out, they're going to kind of saddle up to them and, and, and he says, look, here's what you guys are to do. Your life that you live is to be an influence on everybody that sees you for God himself. They worship sticks and stones or homemade gods. The life that you live on a daily basis is to, test, is to show them who your God is, and he's a living God, not a homemade God. And the way you do that is that you become godly people. Now, what I'm advocating is this. In order for you and for me, and folks, I'm just as guilty as you are, and I'm more ashamed than you probably are because I should have known better. But we didn't have daily worship in our house. The result is one of our children is not a believer. Four out of five are. But I don't know about you, but that ain't good enough for me. So what we're advocating here is the closest thing that we can give you to a guarantee that your children, at least seven out of ten of them, instead of three out of ten, 
whether they go to Ohio State, that left-leaning bunch of down at Shawnee State or anywhere else you go, you, they will stay faithful to the Lord. They'll hunt them up a church. They'll hunt up a fellowship. And they'll stay faithful regardless of where they go to school and regardless of what they're taught. <coughs> and that's what, and in order to do that, you're going to have to give some serious consideration to making your home a mini church. What we're saying is we need to develop a family-driven faith. Where your neighbors, your co-workers, will refer to you by the lifestyle that you live and what you do in your home. And you will be referred to as godly people. I hope you're comfortable with that. Secondly, let's talk about how you do it. Because it isn't, it, as I say, men in particular are going to resist it. I'm advocating that in your home and around your home that you create conversation pieces that relate to your faith. Israel did that, you know. Joshua took the chief priest, he said, and the Lord told him through a, a prophet, look, I'm going to have a landslide come down and choke off the waters flowing in the Jordan River for a while <coughs> so that you folks can cross the Jordan on dry land and go into the plains of Jordan, uh, of Jericho. But when you get to the middle of the river, the chief priests are to pick up the biggest rock they can carry, tote that rock over and make a big rock pile on dry ground on the other side of the Jordan. Now, they, did, they weren't doing exercises like you all do, pay good money to go do. They were creating a pile of rock in a place where there wasn't any rock and a bunch of sand so that anybody that walked by it would say, what the heck is that pile of rock? And then, and, and it would open up a conversation so he could say to the children, the grandchildren, and all who were with them, you know where they came from? They came from the middle of the Jordan River, and it happened when God stopped the flow of the river, and during that time, I got another snort. You guys are trying to get in my will, but you're too late. I've about given it all away. Thank you. <clears throat> checking so what God what God has done is he had them to create a conversation piece that they could talk about where people wouldn't take offense you see it's easy to create offensive conversation when we talk about money and religion isn't it they say never do that I can remember years ago Gary Player came here to town and put on a golfing exhibition out at the country club. And Alice Kay and I, along with another couple, ate supper with him that night out at the stone pipe. And then, then after that, why well, he said, he asked me, he said, would you go to the 
hotel with me. I'd like to talk to you. And he said, besides, there's two things I'd like to talk about. I'd like to talk about politics and religion, if that's okay. Well, bring it on, you know. And so we had a wonderful conversation with what seemed to be a fine man. So, you know, so what I'm advocating as you do is that you, you create things that cause people, your children, to ask questions. You see, there's a big difference. If you can get people to ask questions, then you're, they're not offended when you give them an answer that they might otherwise not like to. But if you just cram it down and without them asking, they, they, they get defensive. So you need to be creative enough that have things sitting around where people say, well, what's that? We, we've got, I laid one back there on the table so that people would look at it and say, what the heck is that? And it's a, it's a mat, just a mat, but I bet you don't know what it's made out of. You can ask me later. And you need to have reminders to reinforce all of us probably have raised our children. We put their grades on the, on the uh, or some of them we put on the refrigerator. Some of them we don't dare show. But you put reminders about the house and even out in the yard if you can. You can, you can be creative so that the kids and your neighbors will ask you questions and you can give them answers that that explains why you believe what you believe and why you do what you do. Reminders are, are important because here in the text that we said, he said in verse 12, be careful that you'll forget. Be careful or you'll forget who brought you into this land. I'm frightened for our country now that we have forgotten why we came to this country to start with. We came here so that we could worship the Lord without government interference. We, didn't, we were tired of the king having his religion and, and imposing it on us. We wanted to worship the Lord according to what we found in the Bible. And for some reason or other, we're allowing political expediency to pull us away from that. And it really worries me. Because God has said, uh, when you keep on reading here, if you don't do what I'm telling you, there's suffering to be had. Now, let me, let me even go further. Let's assume that on a Sunday morning you've got a sick rug rat. You got a little old young in here that's got snotitis and you don't want to put it in the nursery and so on because it happens to all of us. It's perfectly all right, Daddy, to take some grape juice and a little piece of bread and read the scripture and have communion at home with your family. That's okay. That's perfectly okay. It's been done that way on frontier areas for hundreds of years, and there isn't anything wrong with doing it at home now. For you see, then your children can see this isn't something we just do at a church-designated building called a church, which is in the church. It is a church building. That's all it is. 
The church are you folks. God's people. And it's perfectly all right, Daddy, to sit down and have Scripture reading and prayer and communion at home. During the ice storm, are you going to say, well, can't have communion, they can't get to the church building. Who says you can't? Oh, there are religious groups who say you got to have a priest or a preacher or something, but they've been smoking dope. That's this crazy. When you get back to the scripture. Now, next thing, because I've got the 15 minutes to wind this thing up, and I know I'm being cursory because that's all the time I have, but one of these days we're going to start having some classes about it to help you, especially you men, to help get started. The thing that I would encourage you to do is to make your faith enjoyable. I'm sick and tired of the grumpiest people on the face of the earth being religious leaders. When the Bible says, and, and especially if you follow what the Apostle Paul wrote, just pick one, there are several, in fourth chapter uh, of the uh, uh, of, of the book of Philippians, I think it's the fourth verse, where he says, rejoice. And then he did what the Hebrews often do. Anything that's really important, they repeat. And again, I say, rejoice. And he talks about the joy of the Lord. You see, faith can be a lot of fun and enjoyable. You I don't know whether I laid it back there or not. If I didn't, on the, on the way, just before we got on the plane and headed back home, a four, little 14-year-old girl that was with us wrote Alice Kay and me a little love letter thanking us for, you know, getting to go with us. And she was a little abusive when she said my singing didn't make the top five, but I made the top ten, so that's okay. But, you know, Alice Kay and I really worked hard at seeing that those children had a good time because they, they were meeting for the first time a little girl that they sponsored at Destiny and had been taking care of her all this time, and they, this was the first meeting they had with her. They were sat in church with her Sunday there at, in Cotway, and, and, and they were just rejoicing that they had finally met another member of their family that they'd been supporting all of that time. And the little 10-year-old boy, when he got ready to go home, started crying. He said, I just, for the first time, meet my sister, and now I have to leave her again. Kind of neat, huh? What I'm saying, though, is that Christianity, even our singing folks at home, should have joy in it. You know, there, there are little songs about it. There's joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Yeah. What's wrong with singing that at home? Heck, I can sing it so you can. So your faith should be something that is enjoyed. Oh, there are tough times that come, but when the tough times come, a faith that's filled with the joy of the Lord will carry you through those tough times. 
Now, I'm expecting some pushback here of what I'm promoting. But, so I'm asking that we start simple. We start, and I want daddies, I have a book here, and you can't buy it today, but you can start next week. This book is about the history of family worship. And it costs $8, and I ain't got $8. I just got back from Africa. And the church doesn't have it either. But I want you to buy that, and so next week we'll have a piece of paper out there, maybe have one inside of the bulletin where you can fill out and say, I want one of those. And I want you to read it. It's for your edification. And it's, it, uh, it's, it's well written, and it's just 60-some pages, and the pages are small. Just the kind of, not many pictures, Dad, but, you know, I want you to read it so that you will have a better understanding of where I'm coming from. The greatest preachers in the history of the church before Sunday school started were great advocates of home worship led by Mommy and Daddy. And Mommy, you've got to support your father, your, your husband, in, in taking the lead because he'll be hesitant to do it and he's going to be ashamed he hadn't already been doing it, so he'll resist that for a while. So we all have to kind of join hands and encourage each other and, each, and just ask each other, how are you, you making progress? Not only is this available, but there are several other things that in time we can get. The little daily devotional called Table Talk is really a good one because I'm also going to advocate that at least one time a day the whole family sits at the table as a family and eats their supper and it's not eating dinner, folks. The Lord didn't have the Lord's dinner. He had the Lord's supper. So you might as well just straighten people out now. It's breakfast, dinner, and supper. That's all we ever had on the farm, and we didn't miss dinner at all. I mean, it just worked out fine. Now, but table talk, I, I don't care when you do it. And Daddy, here's a good way. reason I'm advocating that you get something like this is because it's something you can read out loud to your family or you can have your wife to read it at times or if you have older children, let them read it at times. And I don't care if you read a prayer, if it makes it easier to get started. You know, getting started is the most difficult thing. Now, there's come a time... Uh, one of the books that I have here that I'll not let you have, I'll let you see it, won't let you have it, because uh, Pat and Catherine used this for a long, long time. It actually has a morning devotion and an evening devotion in it. It's excellent. And so what I'm advocating for you is that we as a church help you get started. I'm willing to take time to come to your home if I'm invited, sit down at the table for a free meal, and, and, and actually help you get started. Because I, th I can't think of a single thing that I've advocated for this church for a long, long time that's more important than developing godly men and women. And godly men and women will produce at least seven out of ten godly children. And I'm going to promise you that. Now, 
the next thing that I'm going to ha have, tell him I said, I'll talk to him later. The next thing I want to advocate is here in the seventh chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, in verse 26, and it's simply this. Keep filth out of your house. That means that you are going to have to put monitors on your children's telephone. I just made enemies of the children. That, that telephone that you spend money to give them should have a thing that blocks all filth. And if anything does come up, it tells your phone what they're looking at. And it should also have on it a thing that tracks them so that if they say they're going to go to a football game in Greenup, your telephone tells, them, it tells you exactly where, they, where and when they are. You can do that. And you should do that as responsible parents. And you should take whatever means, by the same means, you can see that filth doesn't come into the house on their computer or any other way. You say, well, why are you saying this? I'm a Bible guy. And here's what the Bible says in the 26th verse of the 7th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. As soon as I find it, I'll read it to you. Verse 26. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house, or you, like it, will be set apart for destruction. In other words, parents, we're going to be held responsible for what we let in the house. Utterly abhor and detest it, for it is set apart for destruction. And if your husband pulls up any filth on the computer and looks at naked women or whatever that stuff is, you call me because I'll embarrass the heck out of him. You see, I'm 81 years old and not very big, and they're afraid to hit me. But I'm not afraid to talk to anybody anywhere face-to-face -face about developing a godly home. I'm not. I don't look for trouble, but I ain't afraid of it. Now let's take, we've got five minutes here, let's take five minutes and talk about what the Bible says are the benefits of developing a godly home where you worship the Lord together as a family. And then we gather as a group of godly families, and I'm telling you what's going to happen. It won't happen quickly, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Andrew's not going to have to stand up here and sing, now, now come on and sing, you'll drown that sucker out. Because the joy of the Lord will fill your home, it will fill your heart, and it will fill this building with the praises of God to the extent that you can feel the presence of the Lord. Hear me now. I'm telling you it's true. What are the benefits that he says? Well, here in, verse, in, in chapter 7, in verse 15, he tells us uh, that a godly home has better health. Doctor, I'm not trying to put you out of business. I'm just making your job easier. That's all I'm doing here. My doctor sitting back there, and he, he does listen. Uh, I, I, I won't promote any more in that field, just to let you know. Anyway, Here's what he says here in verse 15. He says... 
The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict you with the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt. What he's, do, you, do any of you here have any idea of what profession lives longer and healthier than any other profession on the face of the earth? Anybody know? What is it, Danny? Hallelujah. You're going to be stuck with me for a while because I've already outlived my insurance. I can't get any more insurance. I don't want it anyway. But you outlive that sucker. I've given the insurance company all that free stuff. Now, here's the other thing that happens. Hear me carefully because now we're talking about money. Christian people who make the Lord an integral part of their daily existence are more apt to be financially stable. Here's the reason why. It's a simple reason. Did you know as a fact, and this, this is data that can be confirmed, that people who tithe have a greater income upon retirement than those who don't? Fact. The exp explanation for that is this, that it, tithing is a discipline. You'll grant that, won't you? Tithing is a discipline, which means then that your financial business is more apt to be carefully cared for, probably through a budget. Because we've always had the budgetary guidelines. Now, and I can take all kinds of passages here. I've given at least a couple of them on your outline that you can look up. Uh, 533, I'll look at here just for a second. When um, Hocusy pocusy. Walk in all the ways of the Lord has commanded you so that you'll live and prosper and prolong your days. So what God has promised is, you know, if, if, is that... A godly home is more apt to prosper because you're not going to go to Joe's Bar and Grill. You're not, I mean, you're, you're not going to waste your money on uh, a handful. I was watching a guy the other day over where I was getting gasoline, and, and he had a stack of lottery tickets that high. And these were things you scratch off. And, and the little girl told me that he had spent something like $50, and he got $4 back. That ain't a good return. And uh, he may had a good time, but that's all he had. The other thing that's important here, and I just have a minute, is a godly home has less drama in the home. A godly home has less drama in the home. And I can tell you that our home had more than we should have had. And it's primarily my fault primarily my fault we like so many others had as our primary goal to educate our children so that when they got out of school they had no school debt and we accomplished that but by Alice K driving 200 miles a day and me flying all over the face of the earth our children uh, had a little more freedom than was good for them, shall I say. 
and 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 as a result of that there was more family turmoil brian was primarily the agitator the oldest boy had a sensitive stomach and if there was some really good dessert on the table brian would say something gross so that greg would leave and he'd get his dessert now that's that's a simple little thing but that kind of turmoil did go on more than it should have. The other good thing that happens is this. As you become the primary teacher of your children in the Scripture, you get to know the Bible better too. And that's a blessing, you see. I, could, I don't have time to go through the rest of these. I hope that you'll do that. I, I'm going to call time out here. I apologize that it's just now getting warm in here. I don't know what happened last night. I think the devil was in the building for a while. And, uh, but we got him gone now, and, and it's getting more comfortable, and, and, and I appreciate that. Now, here's the objective that we have in what we're promoting, what we're promoting. We're promoting that you start sometime in the next few months, sooner the better, some type of simple family worship and we're willing to help you any way that we can you call and say would you come to my house we'll come to your house we'll do anything we can because i can't think of anything more valuable than us working together to raise up our children in the way that they should go now let me tell you the benefit for old codgers like me and mommies and daddies sooner or later sooner or later Mommy and Daddy are going to die. And when Mom or Dad is lying there and you go to the graveside and that casket is let down into the ground and covered up with dirt, to be able to walk away from there knowing that these were, my dad was a godly man. And not just have to dream, but really mean it. My dad was a godly man. My mother was a godly woman. And you walk away there sad that you've lost them, but glad that they're in heaven. We, you see, that's one of the wonderful benefits that comes as a result of having a godly home with godly parents, raising children up to serve the Lord. And uh, uh, I can't think of anything more important than that. In the long run, I can't think of anything more important. And what I'm advocating is that we as a church work together, encourage each other, help each other, get, take the first step. And the first step I'm advocating is to get the little book on family worship and read it. Second step will be to get a little booklet that will help us with some daily devotions. Simple ones, easy, something that you can just read together. And then we can expand it as we go. But keep it simple and keep it easy because men won't do it unless we keep it simple and easy. They just won't. And I'll be right there with you doing the same thing you're doing as we work our way along. Okay, thank you for being uh, patient with me and... and uh, because what I'm really advocating is for me as well as you and you as well as me. And so let's qu have a quick prayer, put a whole lot of money in the bucket and go home. Lord, thank you for loving us. 
help us as we, as we set as a goal for each of us to develop a home where God is king and where parents can grow to be godly moms and dads who love their, each other as Christ loved the church, where we can raise up our children and see them go off to college knowing that they'll go as missionaries rather than somebody that can be trapped by the devil. I commit these folks, Father, to your care and keeping in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. You're free to go. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.